Rebound, UConn. Denim Brown, three to go. Denim Brown for three. No good. Five, George. The dream is alive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All the Years, a podcast where we relive some of the greatest March moments with the very people who created them. My name is Russell Steinberg. If you missed our last episode, go back and listen to former Florida Gulf Coast point guard Brett Comer take us through Dunk City's iconic ride to the Sweet 16 in 2013. Also, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash allthyearspod to sign up. Special shout out to our Final Four and National Championship level patrons, Chris Gale and Andrew. Today we go back to the 2006 NCAA tournament. Talk to a key member of one of the most unlikely Final Four participants in history. George Mason backed into the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed, went all the way to the Final Four, beating Blue Bloods Michigan State, North Carolina, and UConn along the way. Jai Lewis had one of his best games in the Elite Eight against the Huskies and was simply unstoppable down the stretch in regulation and overtime. Lewis talks about that game, the Patriots' run, and the disrespect that fueled his team all tournament long. As always, if you haven't subscribed to All the Years already, please be sure to do so. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Rate and review as well if you so choose. And for now, sit back and enjoy Jai Lewis reliving his one shining moment. I know a lot of people that I talk to um, for this podcast, they're still in basketball somewhat either. They're still playing or they're coaching or, or something like that. You, you took a different route. What are you up to now? Um, now I'm, I'm working in the public school setting in Baltimore City. Um, I'm a student holding specialist, and I, I pretty much try to get kids to manage their behaviors, um, you know, starting off with self, self-awareness self where they're, you know, finding their self-confidence, mm-hmm. uh, their own self-perception, and being able to identify their emotions, um, you know, help kids with being social aware having social awareness, um, showing empathy, respect for others. You know, just trying to get kids to, to think before they react. Right. Uh, how, how did you get into that, if I can ask? Um, just when I finished stop, stopped playing basketball, you know, I just wanted to find some way to give back to, to the youth and those who are struggling to find themselves on what they want to do and, and how to stay out of trouble. No, because I felt like I was on. I could have been one of those kids on the borderline. Could have easily got in trouble and not been able to go to college and play basketball. So I was able to figure a way out to you know avoid the trouble and be able to earn my earn scholarship. So that's the way I want to. Well, there you go. Yeah, that that makes sense. And and also I know you're from uh, you're from Maryland and you're working there now. How how close are you to where you grew up? I'm um, probably like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes from where I grew okay. up. Was that an important aspect for you as well, kind of being able to give back to that same community that, that you came up in? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I came from that community, and when I was coming up, I felt as though there should have been many before me that mm-hmm. could have, you know, went to school off a, off a sport that they was playing. They just got caught up in the, the street life, so to speak. So, you know, I feel like I, I could find – if I can find one kid that would, that's on that borderline and get them to, you know – chase their dreams the right way, everything will be okay. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now to go back to your college days, your last season at, at George Mason, 2006 season, you guys had kind of sky high expectations going in and immediately at the beginning of the year, you guys suffer a blow when uh, John Vaughn gets hurt. Uh, what, what was the mood like in, in the preseason that year? And did it, did his injury change your expectations at all? Um, for me, his injury changed, changed a lot because that summer prior, uh, me and him got together and, and, you know, got together and talked and saying, you know, just discuss how, how important my last season was and how I want, how I wanted to go out. And, um, and we worked out all summer together, running, playing ball. You know, I I, I kind of attribute my success to my senior year kind of to him because he was he was pushing me to do better and make sure I go out strong as a senior. But no, we definitely use that as motivation because coming in to start that year, he probably would have been our starting point guard, um, right. which moved Shaq from possibly the three or the two to the one. So you know, we just use that as motivation to and. and as a collective unit, we wanted to send our seniors out, and our seniors wanted to go out in a strong and respectful way. So we was able to bond and, and accomplish something great. Yeah, but you know, just a couple of games into the season, you lose to Creighton at home uh, by twenty. I think um, some have, have talked about that sort of as a as a turning point, even though it was so early in the season for you guys. I know there was a now famous film session after that game. Uh, just what was that loss like and how did it change the trajectory of the team? Um, that, that loss just opened our eyes up, you know, prior to that game, you know, we was kind of like on a, on a little, little high, you know, we lost a couple games, but we was winning at the same time and we was playing well. So going into that game, I think we were just, you know, a little bit too off that emotional high from playing well and winning and not really being, you know, uh, forced to play at our top top of our game, but when Creighton came in and at first it seemed like it was going to be a good game, then come to that second half they just opened the floodgate on us and, and just took off and we could never get ourselves back. And that hour and a half, two hour film session that we had that next day really broke it down and had our eyes open that we got buckled down and really worked together and stay on the same page. Yeah, and and there there came a point early. Um, you guys were seven and four that lost to Creighton was the only real blowout though. You played three other close games. Um, what changed at that point for you? You won 14 out of 16 games after that. Were you able to flip some sort of switch at at that point or what, what happened? It was just when practice, practice was definitely harder than our games. We made sure Mm -hmm. that, um, and as a team, we held everybody accountable. You know, it wasn't necessarily the coach, coach's job to make sure everybody came to actually put in the work for that day in practice or or have to get on us during the game saying somebody's not playing up to par. Um, I think the seniors and even our underclassmen held each each other at a, at a high rate and, a, and high expectations throughout the whole team. So, like I said, it was just a bond that we had that, you know, got us over that hump. Yeah, and you know, a run in a really good CAA that year, which, which the league was, um, it, it's great. But if you kind of if you start seven and four as as a mid major team, it's very hard to get into that 
at-large bid conversation. Uh, at what point did that thought kind of start bubbling up for you guys that you had a, had a shot to get into the tournament, even if you don't win the CAA? Um, I mean, that was our goal from the beginning. You know, even though we were 7-4 and four, and the losses that we did have, those came from, from some elite team. You know, we had played Michigan State earlier in the year, um, and we played a couple other high major teams that we had lost to. So, you know, and those losses, besides the Creighton loss, showed us that we can really compete with these guys as long as we can uh, take care of our conference and do what we needed to do. Um, that year, we did a great job defensively. We held teams to probably under 34% shooting. Um, and we just did a great job statistically, you know, rebounding and all these other things that helped us get into the tournament. And, and I just think we it was well-deserved and we worked hard to, to get there. And how big specifically was that Wichita State win the first time in, in the regular season, winning it in their gym to kind of get you guys on the national radar? Um, I think I think that was a big win for us. You know that put, that win put us in the top twenty five for for a week or two, and just the atmosphere. We hadn't been in that type of atmosphere since you know uh, the out of conference schedule. So I think that was something big for us to to get our mindset back to, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. And we got to be able to handle ourselves in these type of arenas, hectic and hostile right. arenas, which we're going to see once we get to the tournament. And even our conference play is going to be like that. Um, I just think that helped prepare us for, for what we achieved. And, and you guys did, after that, and end up losing twice in two weeks to Hofstra, uh, once at the end of the regular season and then in the conference tournament i know some people thought you know maybe if there's going to be an at-large maybe it could be hofstra instead of george mason or what did you think your tournament chances were once you guys were bounced from the caa tournament um we thought our chances were still good you know even though we lost twice to the same team and that was the team that we was fighting to get into the tournament we still felt as though we was the better team at that time even though they beat us twice um we really, we really wasn't at a complete 100%. We had a couple guys that had injuries, little nicks and nacks that, that was hindering them. I'm not saying that was the excuse why we lost. But, you know, even even after those losses, we knew that we still had some postseason play, regardless if, if it was the NIT or NCAA tournament. We still had the mindset that we wanted to win, win the tournament regardless. So once we got that at-large bid, it, it was said and done. We already knew what we had to do. Now, I know the bracket projections and, and that world was nothing then like like it is now, but there were still services out there that would try to project the field. How closely were you paying attention to that sort of stuff? Um, I wasn't really paying attention to it, me personally, because I, I felt as though we did enough to get into a, t- a tournament, mm-hmm. um, regardless if it was the NIT or NCAA tournament. I, I definitely wanted to get in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I, I just knew I still had some games to play, and that was my main focus really was make sure I had good sh- good showing in these in this postseason play. Yeah. You know, you, you touched on it a, a few minutes ago, but I want to ask again because, you know, you guys were obviously really good that year. So was Hofstra. UNC Wilmington was good. Old Dominion was good. And that's not even mentioning a VCU. How underrated was the CAA that season? Uh, the CAA was definitely underrated. You know, we probably could have probably could have had another at-large bid, and, and teams still would have done well. 
Um, that year, I feel like you could have took any of our top four or five teams in the CAA, and they could have competed across across the country easily. Um, now, I know you guys watched the selection show as a team. Can, can you kind of take me through that night and how the whole thing unfolded for you guys? Um, even before we, when we first found out that they were going to come and we were going to be at coach at the coach's house, um, the whole team got together and was like, man, I don't know if we want to have the cameras there <laughs> if we don't get into right. it. You know, so, you know, coach had already talked to us and explained to us that if we didn't get picked, that we weren't going to be, be shown on TV and stuff like that. So even though we still had confidence that we were going to get into the tournament, we just didn't want to be seen in that light. Because we had some prior instances with uh, with Tony Skin and, <laughs> and Hofstra in our last game, so we felt like that was going to be used as as the reason why our team why we didn't get picked for the tournament. Um, but once they, we got selected, everybody was happy and ecstatic and ready was get, was ready to get to practice and get to work. So we knew we had the talent to get deep into the tournament. Yeah, and one thing that you see probably immediately that night is a lot of talking heads ripping your selection saying you shouldn't have been in the field at all. I know Billy Packer kind of went off about it. Did, did hearing that kind of stuff make you guys angry? Was that a piece of motivation for you? Absolutely. A, a lot of that was, was the fuel for, for us going into the tournament. You know, one thing about us, we definitely like to prove doubt is wrong. And if you look at our team, nobody on our team was, you know, highly recruited or, was was projected to go to a big time school and none of that. So everybody on our team, I, we we all like to prove people wrong and and show them that we are better than what you think we were. So that was one thing we used. Now, kind of like a weird subplot here is what you mentioned a few minutes ago about Tony Skin. He he was suspended for that first game, that Michigan State game, um, because of an incident that happened against Hofstra. How, how did that uh, change the dynamic going into the Michigan State game and kind of change you guys' game plan? Um, I wouldn't say it changed our game plan. We still went in and did the same thing we was, we've been doing all year. Um, that just get, that just made guys have to step up and, and fulfill some shoes. And um, going into the game, we all knew that we had to go in with, with, the minds, with our mindset tight and focused. And we, we knew we couldn't make too many mistakes and stick to the game plan. Now, I know, you know, the, I don't think anyone's ever said, you know, when talking about the run that you guys went on, that, that you lacked for confidence. Like, you, you guys were a su- supremely confident group pretty much this entire tournament run. How much did it help knowing that you were playing a Michigan State team that the year before you almost beat them? Uh, they were a familiar opponent, and even though they have Michigan State on their jerseys, it it's a team you already knew you could compete with. Right, and, and that was pretty much the idea for the whole tournament. We previously had pe- played Michigan State. We previously played North Carolina. We previously played Wichita State. The only teams we haven't played was UConn and Florida before. So, you know, all these times we've played against these so-called high-major teams, um, we've either been in the game the whole time and maybe lost within the last five minutes of the game because we didn't broke down and really didn't stick to our guns like we should have. But we just had the ultimate confidence that 
we can compete and be anybody in the country. Uh, everybody on our team that has played with somebody that has, you know, had all these mid-major, uh, been, been, been recruited by high major schools or even went to these high major schools. So we, we knew what it would take to, you know, beat these teams and, and compete. Then against North Carolina in the second round, they jumped on you guys right away. I think they went up 16 to two. They're the defending national champions. It, it, how hard is it to, to come back from that when such a good team jumps on you so early? Yeah, they, they jumped. They jumped on us early. Uh, first four minutes, I believe it was up sixteen to one, maybe or sixteen to two. Coach L calls a timeout, and he don't really say too much, but he just tells us to look down at the look down at the North Carolina bench. And it's just four minutes into the game, and and they're already cheering and acting as though the game is over. And you know, all year we we've all we've practiced different scenarios. First five minutes of the game. Uh, just us being down a certain amount of points and trying to fight back in and stuff like that. So we was already battle tested for for this type, for this scenario because of what we was doing in practice. So coming out of that timeout, Coach L just emphasized make sure we have fun, go out there and take it take it one possession at a time, and, and we fought back. And by the time the end of the first half, we was back in the game, maybe down a couple points. And then when you guys took the lead in, in the second half, did did you feel like, you know, on the other end, obviously the celebrations on the bench had stopped, but did you feel like you had them back on their heels a little? Yeah, we, we, we felt like that going into halftime. You know, mm-hmm. being able to erase that, that 15, 14-point lead that they had, knowing that they're, they're North Carolina and they got, you know, a great coach and the great players. We knew it wasn't going to be easy, but when once halftime came, and we can kind of see like they were kind of like already defeated. We knew we had them then and was ready to go come out second half. So then you you win that game. You know that you'll be playing the regional in Washington D.C. So basically in your backyard. You know you're playing a Wichita State team that that you've already beaten. Uh, what, what was that week like after the North Carolina win and, and before the Wichita State game on, on campus? The, the, that week on campus was, was absolutely crazy. Um, I tell people this all the time. It used to take me maybe five to ten minutes to walk from my room. I could stop in the, the student center and get something to drink or something to snack on and still make it to my class within ten minutes. During that week, it probably the first two days I went to the, the student center, I was stuck in there for like 45 minutes and was late for class and missed a couple minutes of class to the point where I stopped going in there towards the end of the week because it was so hectic. So many people wanted to, you know, take pictures, sign autographs, have conversations with you. I mean, it was all great and stuff, but, you know, I still needed my time to myself to to take everything in. And but that week was real crazy. What, what did you do to try to shut out that noise as best you could? Um, really didn't have too much time to do that. You know, I just made sure I just had some time to myself. Kind of when, when I wasn't in practice or having to go to class, I kind of just kind of stayed in my room, so to speak, just so I didn't have to answer so many questions. Once we was on the road and doing basketball stuff, we had so many interviews to do 
prior to going out on the floor or, or after the games and stuff like that. After the Wichita State game, Coach Laranega said that he wanted UConn in, in the Elite Eight. He thought it was a better matchup. He didn't want to have to figure out a game plan for Brendan Roy from uh, from Washington. Uh, did did the players agree? Did you guys want to play the number one seed in the Elite Eight? Um, yeah, we felt that we, we matched up better against UConn, not only because of the players they, that they had and the way the matchup would be, but we had, I want to say myself, Will Thomas, and maybe Shaq, I mean, Father and Campbell. We've already had played against Rudy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already played against Rudy. We already played against um, Josh Boone. A couple of those guys we've already played against. So we already kind of like, again, had confidence within ourselves about playing against those those guys. So, you know, I, I, that kind of – Man, our comp, our confidence got through the roof when we found out we was playing against uh, UConn. Because even watching the game and my, myself watching the game prior, after we had finished being Wichita State, we go to watch you know the game after, which is UConn and Washington, and that was a great a great game. Not too many people talk about that, but that was a, a, a wonderful game to watch. Brandon Roy took over in the second half. Um, I think that would have been a dangerous game for us if we had to play against them. Yeah. Now, you know, another kind of popular story that that has stemmed from that from the UConn game is the amount of disrespect, for lack of a better term, from from the UConn side. I know like players couldn't name the conference that George Mason was in. I think Denim Brown had made a comment during media day. Did, do you guys notice that at, as players? Yeah. Um, coach Coach definitely told us about that. And I think he he did that on purpose to tell us that they was talking, you know, kind of like disrespectfully because he knew that would, would just add fuel to the fire for us and make us go out and play even better. But it wasn't it wasn't so much of them not knowing what conference we was in. It was more so uh, players saying that they didn't know who we were, mm-hmm. knowing that they didn't played against us before, and and we competed against each other. They knew who exactly who we were and. The fact that they were saying that they didn't, that really made us want to go out there and beat them even more. So no, knowing that, would I don't know if you even remember, but was there any anything said on the court d- during the game uh, between the two teams? Um, I know, I know. Um, I want to say it was the last two minutes of regulation, or maybe I want to say it was the last two minutes of regulation. But Lamar Butler was shooting a free throw. Myself and Tony Skin was at half court with Denim Brown, I believe it was. And Tony kind of had to, like, hold me back because I was going at it with Denim Brown saying, oh, y'all don't know who we are now. You still don't know. Nice. Uh, uh, you know what conference we in now? Like, I was getting real upset at that time, and Tony kind of had to hold me back. And every time I watch the game, I always try to see if, if, it's, if it's on on camera with me going at Denim Brown, but I don't ever see it. <laughs> Have you watched the game since then a few times? Yeah, I, I watched the game a couple times. Uh, now, I know before that game started, you guys had a, a strange trip to the arena. What what happened on that bus ride over, and how did that kind of take you out of your normal routine? Uh, we was driving, and um, there was a car parked on the corner, and we was turning right. 
So it was it was a sign on the on the on the street saying do not park past this sign, and the car parked past the sign. And as the bus was turning right, it didn't have enough you know leeway to make the complete turn, and it the side of the bus scrapes the side of the car. And the police escort just gets out the car and was like, yeah, they shouldn't have parked there anyway. Let's keep going. We'll keep going and come back. And that kind of like, uh, it kind of threw us off a little bit because we thought we might have to be sitting there and missing the game because we had just gotten an accident. But the fact that the cops told us to keep going, we got we got somewhere to be, that kind of like let us know that we're out here to do a job to get it done. Let's get it done and, and, and move on to the next stage. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I should let you know that I am a UConn fan. Um, and I <laughs> I remember watching this game, obviously. Um, and what, what was driving me crazy was that UConn had, in my opinion, that you're the best front court in the country. And you guys kept attacking UConn's bigs and beating them. Was it always the plan to play to their strength? Not that. The plan is for us to play to our strengths, and all year we've played inside-out basketball. Mm-hmm. And we, we knew once we established ourselves on the inside, they're they going to focus on the inside, and Tony, Lamar, Shaq, all our guards are going to be able to, you know, open up and do the things that they do. And and down down the stretch, uh, especially testing my memory, at end of second half and into overtime, they really couldn't stop you and Will Thomas. Well, why not? It's just the confidence we, me and yeah. Will had. You know, um, I think Will, you know, played against Rudy at least four times in high school, and Rudy never beat him. I played against Josh Boone in high in high school AAU. I played with against in the Maryland State tournament to go to nationals, and I beat I beat him. I, me and Josh, I gave Josh a good run for his money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we just had that confidence against their bigs that they couldn't stop us. And they even had to put the football player in to try to stop us, and, and that didn't work. <laughs> right. I think we were just, you know, going into the game, it was a talk that me and Will, we're not in good enough condition. We can't run the floor good enough to, you know, compete with their bigs. But, you know, we showed that we can compete with anybody in the country. Oh, for sure. Um, now, end of regulation, there, uh, Tony Skin, who's a normally a great free throw shooter, he misses one, then Denim Brown comes down the court, ties the game, sends it to overtime. Uh, what are you thinking at that point? Because usually you would say, you know, if the, if the higher seed can come back and force overtime and take momentum, you know, maybe they have more talent overall. It, it seems to be that advantage goes to them in overtime. That, 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 that tends to be the case, and I'm pretty sure if you ask anybody in the country at that time with five minutes left to play tied up, who's going to win? Everybody's going to go to UConn, right? So UConn. But if you watch the game and watch us come out the huddle um, to get to, to half court for the jump ball, you, you see all five of us run to half court. You know, we, we was ready. We knew we had five more minutes to, to make a name for ourselves and show that. We was meant to be here, and, and we wasn't scared at all, not not one bit. So, you know, we, we weren't worried about that five minutes. We knew we had five more minutes to play, and we had five five more minutes to have the opportunity to shock the world. Now, 
again in, in overtime. It's kind of back and forth. You're both answering each other, both teams. I mean, it, does it come into your head at all dur- during this game that you're just playing in a really, really good basketball game, as, as silly as that is to ask? Yeah, it, it definitely was a good game. Not, not going to take anything from UConn. They definitely brought what we thought they were going to bring. Um, it's just that we stepped up to the plate pretty much and, and, right. and showed that we may be a small school. None of us was highly recruited, but we still had those skill sets and the basketball IQ to compete. Um, I just think it was a great game. And, and at the end of the game, that might be one game where I could say I was actually tired at the, at the end of the game. <laughs> right. Um, of course, you, you can't escape with the win until – that last play of the game where UConn comes down the court, Denim Brown has a shot again. It's a three. It's a shot that he's he had made several times before that season in key situations. What's it like watching that ball in the air? And do you think it's going in? Um, let, let's start first. Before that, I was at the free throw line. That's right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I had the utmost confidence at this time, crunch time, I, I'm going to make these free throws. I believe I make the first one and I miss the second. And just as soon as the ball hit, bounces off the rim, I said, I know I got to get back. Because they got to they gotta shoot a three to, to win the game. And as I'm running back, I run straight to the basket. He's being guarded all the way up court and he shoots the ball and I'm just looking through the basket just to see where, if it's good or not before he even gets to the hoop. And I can see the trajectory of it and it's, I know it's going to hit the rim. And that feeling of seeing the ball bounce off and getting that rebound in the game, it was all it was all worth fighting that extra five minutes for. Yeah, absolutely. What what goes through your head when the buzzer finally sounds and the game's over? We just beat the number one team in the country. They got six NBA guys on their roster, and we just beat them. None of them should go to the NBA. It should be us going. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's a that's a good way to to think about it, especially if you're a team as as confident as you guys were. So then, heading into you know you're going to the Final Four now. This is like unthinkable from a, a team like George Mason. So, group of players going to the Final Four, 2006 in Indianapolis. What is the Final Four kind of spectacle like from when you guys land to when you have to actually play the game there's so much that they put you guys through and how do you think you you handled all of that um honestly i think we handled it well you know one one thing that was instilled in us and constantly repeatedly brought thrown in our heads is do do things in the first class manner act like we've been here before so you know even though we was on a chart i mean a a private flight it was just a plane just of us and our uh our band and you know all the people that we brought, but it was just our flight, and that was the first thing that you know let us know that this is real. Um, when we got to Indianapolis, when we pulled up to the hotels, a bunch of people outside ready to greet us, congratulate us. So you know that was something again that we haven't experienced before coming from a mid major. So no, I think we all took it in well. Nobody, you know, kind of like got the big head or. I was like over zealous because we're at this stage. We still knew what we had to come out and, and try to accomplish while we were here. So we definitely had our fun, but at the same time, we were ready to work. 
And even though you ended up losing to Florida um, in, in that semifinal, e- even in the moment, were you guys able to appreciate what, what you had accomplished even when it had just ended? Yeah, for sure. For sure. We definitely knew what we accomplished. We knew what we did. We knew not only just being a mid-major school, small school, but being 11 seed and making, right. it, all, making it all the way to the Final Four and, and, and beating the team that we beat to get there. It's something that you know may never be accomplished again, especially the route we we, we went. You know, we played four of the previous national champions. If you go back to four years back, each one of those teams that we beat besides Wichita State were national champions prior. So right, you won't you won't never have another mid major eleven seed placed in the. The side of the of the bracket that we was placed in, and be able to come out the way the way we did. I don't think that will ever happen. Yes, there's been other you know, mid major schools that's come and made it to the final four, but they didn't take take the route that we took. But when you do see those teams, you know VCU did it a, a few years later. Of course, Loyola Chicago a couple years ago. But whenever there's a, a real quality mid major team in the tournament, you kind of hear. Who's going to be this year's George Mason? When you hear something like that, how, how does it make you feel? To know that that win that you guys had over UConn and really that whole run has endured the way that it has. It makes it makes me feel good. You know, even even my team, we talk about it to this day about the run that we made, and you know, it's just something that we've written ourselves in the history books forever. And until somebody else has that opportunity or has the team to, you know, knock teams off and make it to the Final Four or even win the national champion as a mid-major will be that team that will be talked about for, for, for NCAA tournament history. And that's something that we're proud of. And we constantly pat ourselves on the back. And, and, yeah. and we're proud that we were able to accomplish that. And that's a legacy that's going to be not only with us, but with George Mason forever. How often do you have people tell, telling you about this game, fans or whoever, when you say that you know you played for George Mason? Um, anytime somebody asks what school I went to, or they see me in like a George Mason apparel, they ask was I on that team, and, and you know, of course, I say yes, and they just go in and talk about, oh man, I watched that. Um, <laughs> Cheering for y'all, y'all did something great. You know, so I hear it all the time, and you know, all the time, whenever it's, it's March Madness, you know, we become relevant again. You know, right. Out for interviews and stuff like that, so it's all good to be relevant one time a year. Again, we're in history, so we'll be relevant that one time throughout the year, and, and we patiently wait for that. Yeah, and w- what's it been like watching what? George Mason has has become even since then. I mean, Co- Coach Larinaga obviously got the Miami job. George Mason is now in, in the Atlantic Ten. Um, knowing that you had you had an impact on, on those things, and that the university is uh, at least the athletic department's changed forever because of it. Yeah, yeah um, it feels good that you know when we go back on the campus, you know, we see all the new buildings, see all the new things that has been created on campus. Um, I wish I would have got the opportunity to to reap some of the, some of the benefits from playing that year in the Final Four. And then the next yeah. year, those teams got to play Duke, 
they went got to go to Camden Arena. You know, those are some of the things I wish I could have got. Um, the apparel that they got after that was was, was crazy. Um, you know, they got a new practice floor, practice gym, just to practice in. So, you no, know, it's a lot of things that's been built up around Mason, and, and the culture is, is starting to grow again. Back to how we left it. You know, they fell off a little bit. Haven't really, you know, produced that well in the A10, but you know, as long as the the legacy, you know, we still got Final Four guys still going up there to speak to the guys, the new teams, the new players that come in. So, you know, we still trying to instill that mentality of of that Final Four team into these new guys. Okay. All right, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. All right, no problem. Once again, a big thank you to Jai Lewis for joining us. If you want to hear content from this podcast that did not make the final cut, support us on Patreon for some deleted extras and additional perks. Again, that is patreon.com slash all the years pod. Also remember to subscribe, rate, and review the pod if you have a moment. We will be back next week to talk to another CAA hero VCU's Bradford Burgess. Burgess hit the game-winning layup in the 2011 Sweet 16 against Florida State as the Rams went all the way to the Final Four becoming the first ever team to get there by winning five games. Until then, I'm Russell Steinberg. Have a great week.